And oh man, what a crazy week it has been. We've got a lot to get into. No time to waste. My name is Farzine Vasugi and I'm the host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, like I said, a lot to get into. So bear with me. We're going to get, uh, I mean, we're going to get through all of it. We're, we're, we're going to touch on everything that's happened this week with the Chiefs, with the uh, the game. Uh, moving back to LA, uh, the the, uh, the, the the recent Mahomes news, no record breaking news, but something something else happening with Mahomes. The Mahomes mania just continues to to go crazy, and uh, obviously going to break down the big game between the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, I also want to talk about the uh, winning culture that Andy Reid has brought to Kansas City. I mentioned that this is now six consecutive winning seasons for the Chiefs, but it also goes beyond that, and I'll explain why when I mention that with Andy Reid. Plus, we'll do our closing segments as we always do during uh, preview episodes here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. wanted to talk about the reigning champions, the Philadelphia Eagles, Andy Reid's former team. What's going on there? Plus, an NFL team that you may not really hear much about, but they're quietly playing like one of the best teams in the NFC. I'll tell you who that is and why, and could that be a team the Chiefs face in the Super Bowl? Maybe. We'll see about that. I'll discuss that team later on. Also, I did want to touch on the uh, one of the biggest stories that we've had in the news uh, regarding the drama between CNN and... Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump. You guys know me. I I, I love the uh, I love to discuss topics like this where it, it involves the media and what it really means. Because even though you might not like politics or hear about it, and by the way, we're not going to get into the political part of thing. As a matter of a fact, there is actually a big sports comparison we can make with uh, Donald Trump and the White House banning Acosta. Uh, there's a big sports comparison that I, I want to make to that. And I think a lot of people are going to be intrigued by this uh, comparison here. And uh, I'll bring that up later on during the closing segment. So a lot to get into in, in this episode of the, the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Pretty excited. I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know where we begin. Uh, I, I guess the biggest story in the NFL this week, uh, I mean, it, it does involve the Kansas City Chiefs with the game uh, being relocated back to Los Angeles. I shouldn't say back to L.A. It was never scheduled there in the first place, but uh, it, this was a game that a lot of people knew early was going to take place in Mexico City. Uh, they just didn't know exactly when, and once the schedule came out, that was all revealed. Uh, but I mentioned this on uh, Monday's episode of the podcast, and I posted the photos on social media, the NFL uh, has moved the game between the Chiefs and the Rams from Mexico City to L.A. due to the poor field conditions. So I'm going to touch on that. I've got a lot to say about this issue, plus a lot more. Before we get into all of this, before I forget, uh, I want to remind you guys our social social media pages are up and running. So be sure you guys interact with me on their Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesuvian. That is a Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. We do the Facebook Live videos uh, at halftime and after every game. So join me for that on Monday night. Plus, follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and my email Farzine at FarzineVesuvian.com. You guys can contact me through there as well. You guys can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So, uh, several different options out there, so make sure you use one of them to subscribe as well as share the links to the podcast with your friends on social media. 
All right, like I said, lots of things I want to get into on this episode, not just about the Chiefs, but also with our closing segments. Uh, a lot of different topics that, that we can get into uh, with the closing segments, and I'm excited to get into that later on in the podcast. But uh, you guys all know the story by now with the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, they were supposed to play in Mexico City. Uh, just a complete mess with the NFL here. Uh, and by the way, I mentioned this on Facebook. I did not know about this Monday when I recorded the podcast. Uh, but the NFL has a rule that if a home team uh, loses a, a a home game, essentially, I mean, the Rams, sure, this was a neutral side game, but the one team always has to be introduced as the home team, one is the away team, and the Rams were the home team in this one. If you guys remember the Chiefs and the Lions, they played in London in 2015. That was obviously a home game that the Chiefs surrendered to play in London, and if you guys uh, have been to a Chiefs game ever since Andy Reid's gotten here, uh, the way they do their player introductions, uh, they'll do either the starting offense or the starting defense. They alternate each game. Uh, the Chiefs had it so where they had the pyro and everything set up for their offensive players to be introduced like it was a home game for them. So one team does get introduced as the home home team. And by the way, when, it's, when it was third down, uh, and the Chiefs were on defense. They, they, they Wembley Stadium uh, would play all of the um, all of the uh, tracks uh, that you would hear at the stadium, such as you know they would play that big Metallica, or they would play the Chiefs Chop uh, to fire up the crowd, like it was a game at Arrowhead. So again, keep in mind, even though there is no home home team in these situations, one team still has to be introduced as the home team and. They kind of have some of their uh, own guys uh, travel over to, such as the PA announcer, the music guys, uh, all of those guys that uh, basically treat it like a home game. But anyway, the Rams, uh, they're obviously the home team in this neutral site game, or at least they're introduced as one. Uh, But the home team, their home stadium at least, there is a rule in the NFL rulebook that uh, the home team... They have to keep their stadium clear of any other events. A lot of NFL stadiums, as we see now, they're hosting uh, concerts from a lot of uh, popular artists or bands. Uh, But the NFL has a rule that the home uh, team, their stadium, cannot have anything going on in the event that the NFL needs to revert back away from that neutral site game and have the game played at whoever the home team was. So in this case, the Rams, the home team... They did not have anything scheduled on Monday night, so because of the situation in Mexico City with uh, Estadio Azteca, they are now playing this game in Los Angeles. Uh, the Rams put tickets uh, for sale Wednesday afternoon. The Rams also announced that they'll give out thousands of tickets to first responders for the wildfires in California, so props to them. Great move uh, on, on their end. It's a, it's a game you were not expecting anyway, so hey, why not try to do as much as you can to fill up the seats, and one way is to uh, hand out tickets to uh, all the first responders. Uh, and by the way, I've got a friend who lives in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, and she posted on social media. She, she lives three hours away from the uh, furthest wildfire, but you can still see all the ashes in the area around her home. Uh, just a very crazy situation. So, I, I mean, big thanks to all the first responders and what they're doing out there. Uh, not an easy situation that they're dealing with. And I know some Chiefs fans were concerned about, oh, I mean, we went from possibly playing at a bad field to now playing in uh, a smoky area. I mean, look, if the NFL felt like this was the wrong move, I'm sure they would have came up with another alternate and uh, they would have figured something out, but they felt 
good enough to let the Raiders have their home game against the Chargers as well as the Rams against the Seahawks. So I trust the NFL on this move. And keep keep one thing in mind. The NFL will rarely cancel a game. The last time I can remember they canceled anything was maybe the uh, Hall of Fame preseason game. Uh, maybe that. But they did cancel a preseason game. Not this past, uh, not this preseason, but the one before that where uh, Hurricane Harvey uh, played a role in this. The Texans and the Cowboys had a, a week four preseason game. The NFL canceled that simply because... It was just impossible to play in those conditions, and a lot of the players had to worry about their families in those uh, in that moment with that situation. But the NFL, uh, the, I mean, they 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 go on, man. Uh, if you remember the chief, uh, right after Hurricane Katrina, about a month afterwards, there was a hurricane coming through Florida, and the Chiefs and Dolphins had a home game, or not, not a home game, but a, a game in Miami, a home game for the Dolphins. Uh, but instead of having the game on Sunday, the NFL. Pulled it up to Friday. So the NFL, I mean, they're not going to bend over for a lot of things, really. If there's a bad situation, well, they're going to work around it and the game will still happen one way or another. You keep in mind with what happened in New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina that same year I mentioned with the Chiefs and Dolphins. uh, The Saints, they gave them a new home stadium. I believe it was in San Antonio for the remainder of that season as the uh, Superdome was uh, was damaged. You could, could, couldn't even have fans in the stadium. Couldn't even play in it. So the NFL will always. Yeah, I mean they they have the show must go on mentality. They just do. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, this is a messy situation. Uh, it's not easy to, you know, just just get your money back for all these flights. Uh, but Delta, by the way, they announced that it they will not charge anyone, uh, cancellation fees. Uh, for anyone that had tickets and they planned on going to the game in Mexico City. So I uh, got to give props to them on that. Hopefully other airlines will follow suit in this situation because it, it is out of the, the con- control of these fans who, uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of money people are putting up to to go out of the country to watch a game and you're paying money for, for tickets as well. Uh, look, I- I've said this before for those who have followed me for a while. I've never liked these international games to begin with. I, I I just never have. People think that there's going to be some possibility that there's going to be a team in London. No, hell no, that's never going to happen. I don't know where people get this idea where there's actually going to be a 33rd NFL team or maybe one of the 32 will relocate to London. I mean, look, Teddy Bruschi mentioned this very early when he started his broadcasting career. The toughest part about uh, the beginning of the regular season, or the end of the preseason, around that time when the roster cuts are made, trades are made, uh, players picked off, uh, picked up off waivers, is that that's also the beginning of the school year. And a lot of players move their families when they change uh, teams in the NFL. Are you really going to tell me that a player is going to accept the idea of being traded from, oh, I don't know, I'm I'm just going to say Kansas City since it's in the middle of the country, from Kansas City to London? I mean, come on. And plus that London London team, I mean, they're going to have a major disadvantage for every road game. I mean, the travel is going to be brutal. It's just not going to work out. There's a reason why teams are given a bye week after uh, they have their international game. The Chiefs had it after they uh, played the Lions, and they're going to get one, what was supposed to be after playing in Mexico, but you get the idea. 
Uh, I'm just not a big fan of these games, uh, these international games. I'm not. Uh, for years, I was waiting for Kansas City to lose a game, a home game, uh, just to see how Chiefs fans would react. And Chiefs fans went berserk when this was announced. Uh, I get the NFL wants to expand. Cool. But don't send the regular season games. Send the preseason games to England, to China, to Mexico. Not a real game, man. Uh, don't take home games away from us. Now, the NFL made the right call in moving the game to L.A. And look, this is not the NFL's fault. The NFL could not have expected a concert at Estadio Azteca to just completely ruin the field the way the band did. I, 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 the, the NFL cannot babysit every event. NFL stadiums hold a lot of events. Uh, they, I mean, when you look at all of the stadiums together, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, especially a lot of these newer stadiums, uh, you, you want you want to use them as, as much as you can because of uh, of all the new amenities that you are pr- bringing to all these sta- newer stadiums that are being built. Uh, so a lot of these stadiums, you see concerts, you see other sporting events taking place, uh, a lot of things happening, and the NFL is not going to sit there and babysit the fields for all of these stadiums that in which other events can take place, concerts, whatever. The NFL was completely blindsided by this, just as much as. The fans were. And had it not been for whoever was out there tweeting photos of the field, this probably would not have happened. This also hurts the Rams in a big way because they traveled to Colorado Springs to practice there to get used to the altitude before going to Mexico. As a matter of fact, uh, there are UFC. Anytime the UFC has an event in Mexico, and if fighters are scheduled to, to to fight on that card, they will actually... Normally, UFC fighters will get to their destination of the fight about five, six, maybe seven days in advance. But for a place like Mexico or Colorado, where the altitude's much higher, uh, fighters will, will actually get out there a bit sooner than usual to get used to the altitude. They'll train outdoors, even though their fight is indoors inside a closed arena. Uh, their bodies are still, I mean, they're training quite a lot to, for the weight cuts and trying to get ready, ready for their fight. So they'll get used to the altitude while they're there. And that's exactly what the Rams wanted to do. In fact, both the Chiefs and the Rams requested to play the Broncos in Denver prior to uh, this, what was supposed to be a Mexico game. And the Rams, uh, despite no longer going to Mexico, they, they ended up still going to Colorado because they had to go with the plan at, at the time. Uh, but they are going to stay there due to the wildfire situation. They could have probably still practiced in L.A. if they had to, had this not been scheduled for Mexico in the first place. Now, I do want to go back. I, I mentioned fans paid uh, for flights, hotels, shuttles, rent-a-car, however you want to get around, plus the tickets for the game. You can't just cancel uh, and, and get your money back for these things. It, it, it's a very grueling process, and there are hefty cancellation fees, especially on short notice like this. Now, I still think the NFL should schedule a game in 2019 in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. But, the NFL is going to keep a very close eye and keep in contact with its stadium operators to make sure this does not happen again. And they'll probably do the same thing for the other other international games. And maybe just send a note to all the NFL stadiums and saying, Hey, look, you guys all saw what happened with the Chiefs and Rams. Let's be very cautious of... Of everything moving forward. And I think that you you have to do that at this point. You have to have this sensitivity where you got to make sure everything goes as planned. And look, 
I hate the NFL International Series. Although I will admit I am guilty of enjoying those 8 a.m. Sunday games uh, when they have them occasionally in London, I'll admit. Uh, But whether you like it or not, the NFL wants this. And the NFL did lose a lot of money in this mess. I don't know exactly how much, but I'm sure it's a big loss. Even though the NFL made the absolute right move, there is no winner here. Everyone loses from fans that put up a lot of money for this trip. The Rams, obviously, they are already in Colorado Springs when they now they don't even necessarily need to be there. Sure, maybe say what you want about the wildfire situation and how maybe this helps, but uh, being in Colorado from Los Angeles, I mean, that's not the ideal place to go. I mean, if they wanted to really get away from the wildfires, hey, why not a place like Las Vegas or Arizona? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, you obviously didn't want to be uh, another time zone away from the situation. So uh, it, it almost feels like a road game for both teams because the Rams are traveling to LA uh, or back to LA later in the week for this. Uh, again, uh, it, it is uh, a completely messy situation. And by the way, the Rams, they're suffering from this too. And I'm not talking about the players and the coaches. I'm talking about the stadium. Uh, I mean, they've probably been scrambling, trying to gather employees for security concessions, usher, uh, production crew members, groundskeepers. I, I mean, all of these guys, these are all people who have full-time jobs elsewhere or working multiple part-time jobs. I mean, who knows? But regardless, I mean, these are people who did not expect to work this Monday night. So they probably were working their other jobs or maybe they were out of town. Whatever the case may be, uh, the Rams are scrambling, trying to make sure they can get all of their employees for this game. Uh, not a very ideal situation for everyone involved. There is a huge lesson to be learned for everyone here. Mexico City right now has one strike on it for this mishap. And maybe the NFL will give Mexico City one more chance. But the second strike might be the final one here. So hopefully the grounds crew and the stadium operators in Mexico City, they'll understand the situation and say, hey, look, we screwed this up pretty badly. We apologize. We will make sure this never happens again. Uh... And I know they had a soccer game there recently. I don't even know how that game went with those poor field conditions. So, uh, again, lesson to be learned for everybody. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugan. Twitter.com, excuse me, slash Farzine21. We'll get into the Chiefs and Rams game in a moment. But I do want to touch on this real quickly because you want to talk about how the Chiefs have turned into a pertinent team. They're one of the teams, man. They really are. Andy Reid, since coming to Kansas City in 2013, he has created a winning culture in Kansas City. I wrote about this in my most recent article over at arrowheadaddict.com. I posted the links on social media, so check it out if you haven't. I mentioned earlier in the week, six consecutive winning seasons now under Andy Reid. That's the third best streak in franchise history. Haven't had a streak like this Since Marty Schottenheimer was the head coach in the late 80s and early 90s, all the way through 97, actually. Speaking of things since Marty was the coach, since Marty Schottenheimer left the Chiefs in 1999, uh, your head coaches have been Gunther Cunningham, Dick Vermeil, Herm Edwards, Todd Haley, and Romeo Cornell. I'm going to ask this question, and maybe it would take, maybe you guys would need to pause this just to get the right answer, but. I'll give you guys a a, a couple of seconds of a pause here because I'm going to ask this question. I want you guys to think about this for a moment. Uh, Out of all those coaches combined, Cunningham, Vermeil, Edwards, Haley, and Crinnell, 
How many winning seasons did those coaches combine for? Those five coaches. How many winning seasons did they combine for? They combined for five winning seasons. Andy Reid has six winning seasons, each season finishing above 500. So Andy Reid on his own has more winning seasons than Gunther, than Dick Vermeil, Herm, Haley, Cornell combined in Kansas City. And look, that's not a shot at a guy like Dick Vermeil who, listen, if he coached a little bit longer, hey, I, I, I maybe a Super Bowl would have been a, a viable realistic moment for Kansas City I don't know you you just never know you you can never play that game or at least you can't play that too much uh Herm Edwards okay looked like he got off to a good start but uh I mean ever since he took over what Vermeule had uh it the record only went down every year Todd Haley oh okay there seemed to be promise there but it just never came to fruition and Romeo Cornell didn't even know why his best, uh, why the best running back in the NFL and Jamal Charles at the time got the ball five times in a game. A uh, head coach didn't even know that. Uh, by the way, the five times the Chiefs were above 500, Gunther had it in his first year in '99. Uh, let's see, Vermeil had it twice in 2003 and 2005, his final year with the Chiefs. Herm Edwards had it once, and that was in his first year with the Chiefs. That was in 2006. Haley had it once in 2010. Those were the five times since Marty left and before Reed became the head coach. That Those five times are the only times the Chiefs had a winning season. Andy Reed's done it six consecutive years. Already more than those uh, other head coaches, five of them combined. And by the way... Ever since Andy Reid came to Kansas City, the Chiefs have 63 wins since 2013. That includes the playoffs. That is the third most wins behind Seattle's 65 and New England's 80 during that stretch. And by the way, I think this would be a good time to kind of tie in the whole Patrick Mahomes deal and the draft situation when they traded up to get him 10th overall in the 2017 NFL Draft. The Chiefs didn't draft Patrick Mahomes because they were completely desperate. They were a 1-15, 2-14 football team that needed a QB to desperately lead them to the light at the end of the tunnel. That's not why the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. Similar to how uh, the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. Because they're looking to get something going. And they're hoping Baker Mayfield can do it. Similar to how the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen. And they're hoping that he could show the Cardinals the light at the end of the tunnel. That's not why the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City drafted Mahomes and had him sit a year. Because they already had a good quarterback in Alex Smith. And they eventually traded Smith doing so this past offseason. Because they felt there was no more room for improvement with this football team. With Smith under center. But there would have been improvement with Mahomes at QB. And it could have led them to more wins. So far, that's obviously been the case. So with Mahomes and Andy Reid in Kansas City, this quarterback head coach duo might be the most dominant that could be in the NFL for a very long time. And I think it's going to be very similar to what we've seen with Brady and Belichick the past 18 years. And here's the other thing I'm going to say right now. I'm already seeing a few NFL fans on social media complain that they are tired of hearing about Patrick Mahomes constantly well guess what a lot of fans are tired about hearing about uh, Tom Brady's name every single time Ben Roethlisberger's name 
every single time. And Russell Wilson for a while, Andrew Luck, they were getting a lot of attention for, for, for a few years. And now, these NFL fans complaining about the Mahomes mania, I mean, they're upset because they don't have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. And it's gotten to the point where everything in Patrick Mahomes' life is becoming a, a story for the media. For example, uh, Mahomes revealed that he likes ketchup on his uh, on his steak. Which, by the way, you are playing in the barbecue capital of the world, and you admitted to putting ketchup on your steak. I, I mean, I don't even. I, I I think that could be a penalty for not winning league MVP this year, if we're being honest. But uh, all jokes aside, that, that's just insane. Uh, he puts it on a steak. Uh, by the way, I hope you guys are not eating while you're listening to me right now. But he, uh, in Thursday's press conference, he admitted that he eats it on his macaroni and cheese. I, I've never, ugh, I've never tried that before. <laughs> um, uh, I'd be lying to say if I was not inclined in wondering what that tasted like. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to pass on that. Uh, by the way, Heinz is, uh, they tweeted Mahomes. This is how crazy things are getting with Patrick Mahomes. Heinz tweeted Mahomes and said they will they will offer a lifetime supply of ketchup if he throws fifty seven touchdowns this year. For those who don't get it, fifty seven Heinz it's it's on it's on every uh, Heinz bottle of ketchup, mustard, whatever. And the media has been writing about this. This is this has been one of the biggest stories uh, as far as funny angles go. With sports. As a matter of fact, it's on ESPN's front page, ESPN.com's front page, that Heinz is going to give Mahomes a lifetime supply of ketchup if he gets the 57 touchdown passes. Uh, by the way, Mahomes tweeted that he uh, played Fortnite for the first time in a long time. Uh, I, I mentioned, I, I recently was I was wondering what the hype was with Fortnite. I played it. I somehow won. And I don't know how. I, I, I shared this with you guys on Facebook. And you guys all uh, commented saying you guys asked your kids how I won. And apparently, uh, according to your kids, I won because I escaped a storm. I, I, I didn't even know that. But anyway, uh, Mahomes plays Fortnite because, hey, why not? Uh, I mean, no one's going to judge Mahomes because he's Mahomes. Uh, I know Tyreek Hill, I mean, he streamed uh, during training camp for hours and hours playing Fortnite. But uh, Mahomes tweeted... Uh, that uh, he uh, came across a player on Fortnite that wore his jersey. I guess Fortnite recently uh, put out some uh, unique feature where you can customize your character and you can also put NFL jerseys on your character. But I guess a player had a Patrick Mahomes jersey and not knowing that it was Patrick Mahomes, he saw Patrick Mahomes and he killed him and Mahomes was upset about that. The best part is Tyree Kill tweeted him, trolled him, said that was me that killed you in your jersey, and Mahomes responded uh, by thanking him for wearing the jersey. And the Kansas City Star wrote an article about that. The Mahomes mania continues. Some of the stories are a bit weird, but when you have a superstar like Mahomes who puts up big numbers and wins a lot, every single aspect of his life will be a story. Uh, we mentioned the uh, sad news with his girlfriend's stepfather who passed away. Uh, that was a huge story uh, Sunday evening in Kansas City. And it was even picked up by some of the uh, national media outlets. And with all due respect, if this was 
if this is uh, before Mahomes, and if this was a different player on the team, I don't even know if if that if that uh, story gets picked up. And I say this not with with any disrespect to uh, to the story. Obviously, it's a very sad story. Someone passes away at the stadium. Uh, but let's be honest here, folks. This story does not get talked about if Mahomes isn't Patrick Mahomes right now. It's not the MVP Mahomes right now that, that we all know and love. Let's be honest here. Uh, I mentioned the, I've mentioned this example many times. Eric Hosmer, formerly of the Royals, and of, uh, obviously the Royals, they went to the World Series back-to-back years, and that was a, a big spark in Kansas City. Uh, Hosmer posted photos of himself as well as his girlfriend at the time they got back together, uh, Casey McDonald, who was engaged to former Chiefs quarterback Aaron Murray, uh, they were spotted together and they both at the same time posted uh, photos together on Instagram. That was the number one story on the Kansas City Stars website. The same day when former Kansas Governor Sam Brown- Brownback uh, made a, a, some sort of homophobic uh, a- anti-gay comment, uh, which was a bit a pretty big story. As much as people want to say they don't like TMZ kind of stories, Eric Cosmer and Casey McDonald dating was the top story on the Kansas City Stars website. In fact, let me just say, I did not do this, but I'm going to do it right now uh, while I'm recording with you guys. I'm going to go to the Kansas City Stars website. I'm just going to see what is the top story on there if they still sort it that way. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm on the Kansas City Stars website. They're talking about... Uh, the uh, KCI Terminal. I, I don't even know where you look at the top stories uh, for the website. Okay, uh, probably wasting time doing this. All right, well, I'm beat on this, but I guarantee you if... They, oh, n- never mind, I just found it. Uh, trending stories. Uh, okay, well, uh, oddly enough, the uh, catch-up gate... Is not a top story, but if you give it a day, it'll probably be a top story. Uh, top story: Chicago pastor, uh, some weird situation in Chicago. Uh, an inmate confesses to ninety deaths. Wow, uh, cra- crazy stuff in the news on the Casey Stars website. Third top story: Les Miles possibly going to KU, and then the fourth top story is the uh, Chiefs Rams Mexico City drama. Uh, I guarantee you, if you give it a day. Keep keep an eye on this this week. If you give it a day or two on the Kansas City Stars website, Patrick Mahomes and ketchup will be the top story on the Casey Stars website. Why? Because that's how things work. We're interested in those things. If if Mahomes uh, tweets that he used uh, himself in Madden and just got killed, the Kansas City Stars writing an article about it. They're just going to. When and if Mahomes proposes to his girlfriend, that is going to be a huge story. Not just on the Kansas City Stars website, but the Chiefs website will mention this. All local TV stations are going are gonna to mention it as well. I mean, that's what happens when you have a top-notch player like Mahomes. Look at the Royals. Now that they've declined drastically since their World Series win, does anyone honestly care about their players I mean Salvador Perez yeah okay World Series MVP they showed that he got married recently that's the only time people have talked about any of their personal lives uh Kelvin Herrera uh, again he's he's no longer a royal but uh his home was broken into and his World Series ring was stolen 
And that was a big story because it was just the same offseason or the same year after the Royals won the won the World Series. So uh, when you have championship caliber type of players and, and championship caliber type of team like like this Chiefs team here, every single story is going to be talked about at a high level. Jamal Charles, great player in Kansas City for a long time, but did anyone talk about him getting married when he was here in Kansas City? I don't, I don't think so. Not because no one cared about Joel Charles. He was one of the best running backs in the league. But he was not playing on a Chiefs team that was very good, so to say. I mean, we would call a spade a spade. Uh, if the Chiefs were a Super Bowl contending team at the time that he got married, oh, it would have been on the Kansas, on the front page of the Kansas City Stars website, KCTV5, Channel 41, KNBC, and Fox 4. For sure it would have been on the front page of all of their websites. And you know what, man? Going back to what I said about Andy Reid bringing that winning culture to Kansas City and how every single story uh, about Mahomes' life is now going to be written about by the media, it's a little weird and sometimes it gets too much. Like, for example, on my phone, I've gotten a plethora of Bleacher Report and ESPN notifications about Mahomes and ketchup. I'm at the point where I don't care. I really don't care that much about this story. But you know what? A lot of people do. So if you're like me and you're maybe a little irritated with this ketchup gate story that's on the front page of ESPN's website, you know what, Chiefs fans? Enjoy it. How many years did we complain about not drafting a quarterback in the first round and how much we need to get a quarterback in the first round? How many years did we complain about that? Well, you know what? The Chiefs finally did that, and this is what you're getting. You're getting all the success on the field. You're getting all... All the attention off the field. And it comes with the territory. You, you know what? Look look at Tom Brady. Uh, when he hung up on uh, WEEI because that moron Alex Reamer felt the need to attack uh, Brady's five-year-old daughter. If, if this happened two years ago with the Chiefs. If Alex Smith hung up because of that situation. It's going to get talked about by the media. But never to the extent of how it did with Tom Brady. Because he's Tom Brady. Tom Brady dressed up as a chicken. This is the last example I'll use, I promise. He dressed up as a, a, not a chicken, as a turkey, I should say. One Thanksgiving. And he posted a video of himself just basically chasing his kids around in their backyard. That, 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 That video went viral on social media. Why? Because it's Tom Brady. So I can understand, folks, maybe you get a little annoyed when you hear that Ketchup and Patrick Mahomes is the top story on a Thursday afternoon as far as Chiefs news goes. That's how the media works nowadays, especially in this PC social media era we are in. Uh, and you know what? Because of the Mahomes mania, everyone wants to get in on it. The The uh, Little League World Series even tried to tweet old footage of Mahomes so they could get in on the fun. Now Heinz Wants to get it on the Heinz isn't even offering Steelers players this, this this deal, and the Steelers play at a place called Heinz Field. Uh, so enjoy this while it lasts, man. Because you know what, these kinds of things, I guarantee you, the Raiders would be begging for positive attention like this. When you're a nine and one football team, and when your biggest story is Heinz ketchup, that means you're having a good season. A damn good season. And a lot of teams would kill to be in Kansas City's position right now and have the positive, humorous media coverage that the Chiefs are getting right now.
to, if you're like me and you're irritated, okay, that's fine. You don't have to love every single story, but don't complain about it too much because this is what we asked for in the first place, and we got it, folks. You got your quarterback, and this is what he's bringing to Kansas City. And with Andy Reid as the head coach and all the wins that he has brought here every single season, winning uh, winning season every, all six years, uh, this duo of Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes as the head coach and quarterback, uh, this is just a start. A lot more wins are on the way, and it is going to be for your viewing pleasure, and you better enjoy it while it lasts because it will fly quickly. This season has flown quickly. So enjoy every bit of it while it lasts. Moving on to more important things with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, outside of ketchup on steaks and mac and cheese, I, I, I'm still, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. I'm not going to lie. But Sammy Watkins and Anthony Hitchens practiced on Thursday. They are expected to play on Monday night. Sammy Watkins uh, dealt with a foot injury, and his rehab uh, is actually ahead of, ahead of uh, schedule. And he is expected to play against his former team, who we played for last year in the LA Rams, on Monday Night Football. The two players who did not practice for the Chiefs, Eric Berry, we all know about him. It's been, it'll be 100 days on Monday Monday Night Football since he last practiced for the Chiefs. He's at 96 days and counting right now. Mitch Morse. The only other player who did not practice for the Chiefs dealing with the concussion injury. I've had a lot of uh, people tweet me about this and a couple of emails as well. What is going on with Mitch Morse? Here's a problem with, with, with this. It's not like a torn ACL where it's 9 to 10 months normal recovery time for a pro athlete. Concussions are weird, man. Head, I mean, look, this is why there's still a lot of research being done out there about head injuries. It's still a big mystery to a lot of people. Uh, if, and I'm just using two examples here, if Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt both suffer uh, a concussion in week one, they're not both going to return at the same exact time. Maybe one has more head trauma than the other, maybe the other is suffering more headaches uh, than the other. Uh, head injuries are a very, very, very serious issue. And again, I mean, there are lots of articles and books out there regarding head injuries and sports. And at the end of the day, there is still, uh, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about these kinds of things. So, And, and I don't want to get too much into that because I, I'm truly not an expert at this field. I don't think there are a lot of people who are. But what I can tell you is... Head injuries, Charlie Weiss said this once, uh, former uh, Chiefs and Patriots offensive coordinator, he said this when he was the head coach at Kansas, that uh, whenever a player is dealing with a head injury, never take it lightly, and you always take your time with that player. Everyone recovers from head injuries differently. Some players return in a week, some players return in four weeks. For Mitch Morris, I believe it's been six or seven weeks since uh, he suffered that concussion, and it's a it's a, it's a brutal uh, injury. Again, you never want to rush a player back when he's dealing with a serious head injury like that. So that is the Chiefs injury report for the Rams. Uh, they are anticipating the return of wide receiver and all-pro returner Farrell Cooper uh, to the practice field for the first time since he injured his ankle in week one. Cooper has been on injured reserve and was designated to return on Tuesday. That is according to the Rams uh, website, their Rams Insider 
put that out there. Now, before I get into this Chiefs and Rams game, obviously the one player who we have yet to talk about regarding this football game, yes, I'm going to say his name, Marcus Peters. A lot of people uh, upset about the trade at the time, but since then, I think a lot of people understand maybe the Chiefs were right in this move. And look, say what you want about Clark Hunt and his politics and disagreement with Peters and what he did for the na- during the National Anthem. Say what you want about that, but... Uh, Whether you agree or not, the Chiefs seem to have made the right move for the time being. Maybe not in week one when he had the pick six against the Raiders. But since then, we have not seen a good game from Marcus Peters. He actually did play well against the Seahawks, but those have been the only two games we've seen from Peters. The pick six in week one on Monday night against the Raiders and this past Sunday against the Seahawks. But I'm going to read you Pro Football Focus and uh, its cornerback rankings from both the Rams and the Chiefs. Number 11 ranked cornerback Steven Nelson. Playing better than, than a lot of us maybe realize. And he's done well lately for the Chiefs. A couple of game ceiling INTs. Definitely is going to put you very high on that list. Number 12 from the Rams. Nikkel Roby Coleman. 23 is Kendall Fuller. Uh, obviously came from the Alex Smith trade. Sam Shields is 41. Troy Hill is 53. And Marcus Peters is ranked 106th. By Pro Football Focus. Tease Tabor of the Detroit Lions, he is ranked 113th. He is the worst-ranked cornerback by Pro Football Focus. Marcus Peters is right now the 7th worst-rated cornerback in the NFL. Did not see that coming. Did not see that coming at all. Now, here's the thing with with, uh, trades like this. Sure, we can judge Peters on how he's done this year, and I know he's been banged up, but he says he's 100% fine and, and good to play, and, and Sean McVay would not play him if, if, he, if he couldn't. Uh, but players will be judged the most, and whether or not teams were right in trading them away, depending how they do against their former teams. I know Alex Smith and, and the Chiefs, they had better years than the 49ers, but... Uh, but a lot of 49ers fans felt good about trading Smith away when the 49ers beat Smith. And not only that, Smith trying to compile a game-winning drive in 2014 on the road, and the 49ers shut that down with an interception. And a lot of times, it may not be fair, but that is how player trades are going to be judged the most. How do they do against their former team? And you know Marcus Peters, he may not want to admit it publicly, but you know for damn sure he's going to be amped up and he wants to have the best game of his life and prove that Clark Hunt and the Chiefs were completely foolish in trading him away. We'll see how that pans out. He's got a tough task ahead of him with Sammy Watkins coming back, Tyree Kill also uh, out there. I mean, depends who who lines up against him. Uh, and there are so many options for the Chiefs. But we'll get into that, into that when we talk about the Rams' defense. But for right now... Let's look at the Chiefs and the Rams, starting with the Rams' offense. You look at the Rams' offense, third in scoring, 33.5 points per game. They're in the top five in everything, by the way. Second in total offense with 448 yards a game. Fifth in passing, just a little bit more than 303 yards per game. And the second best rushing team in the league, nearly averaging 145 yards per game. By the way, the Chiefs and Rams, I, I, I should mention... 
They are tied for the best record in the NFL with a 9-1 record. Could have been two 10-0 teams. It would have been a lot easier to promote, but still, uh, ESPN should be getting a lot of viewers for uh, this matchup late in the season. You don't get this often in late November. Uh, two teams with the best record uh, getting ready to go at it on primetime. You do not get this kind of matchup often. Uh, if this was a regular CBS or Fox game, you know for sure the NFL would have flexed this to Sunday Night Football without hesitation. Uh, by the way, uh, the Chiefs and Rams, they have the two best quarterbacks in terms of passing yards goes. Also, one other thing to note, the 2000 St. Louis Rams, they have the record for most yards per play with 6.98 yards per play. The 2018 Chiefs have 6.95 yards per play. The Rams, 2018 Rams, 6.91 yards. And the Chargers, 6. The 2018 Chargers, 6.90 yards per play. So the Chiefs, bit of a gap between the Chiefs and the Rams and Chargers. But still all very high. Uh, some of the highest moving offenses and scoring offenses we're seeing this year with the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers. I'm sure the Saints are right behind uh, their tails, but we, you got a lot of uh, high-scoring, uh, electrifying offenses this year in the NFL. Uh, you, you've got a lot going on with all four of those offenses right now, and all of them seem to be on pace to making the playoffs. Let's get into the Rams' offense right now. Uh, it, it all starts with the quarterback, Jared Goff. He's second behind Patrick Mahomes in passing yards with 3,134 yards, 22 touchdowns, just six picks this year, he's been sacked just 19 times on the year so far. So, uh, not bad for him. And if you look at Mahomes, he's been sacked 17 times this year. Coming off a game where he was sacked 5 times the most in his career. Uh, so, both very similar in that regard. Uh, but it's going to be about Todd Gurley. Monday night. He leads the league in rushing with 980. Yards, 12 away from 1,000, so he's definitely going to surpass that on Monday Night Football. Also has 13 rushing touchdowns. Kareem Hunt is fourth in rushing uh, for a comparison, 754 yards and seven touchdowns on the year. Uh, Gurley, by the way, has yet to run uh, 40 yards or more on a single play. A little bit surprising he has not had that, but if I had to uh, put down money, I think that will change on Monday night. He has also yet to fumble. This season, he also has 40 catches, tying Cooper Cup, whose season just ended with a torn ACL. Uh, but ties third on the team with 40 receptions. Uh, Gurley also has 402 yards through the air. You look at his activity in the passing game last week against Seattle, 40 yards receiving. Week nine against the Saints, 11 yards receiving. Uh, in fact, the Rams didn't use Gurley a whole lot because they were behind and had to rally to catch up with the Saints. But in week 8 against the Packers, 82 yards receiving against Green Bay. He ran for 208 yards against Denver in week 6. And he's had 5 100-yard games on the season so far. 17 total touchdowns on the year. That is the best in the NFL. Kareem Hunt is third in the NFL in total touchdowns with 13. Tyreek Hill, by the way. Uh, for what it's worth, he is tied six with ten total touchdowns, nine receiving, and he has the punt return touchdown, which was the very first time the Chiefs uh, touched the football in 2018. So he's got that ten touchdowns. Uh, the Chiefs have two players in the top ten in scoring, which is good to see. Uh, as far as the rest of the offense goes for the Rams, 
Wide receiver Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, they are in the top 10 in receiving yards. Cooks is 7th with 857 yards, and Woods is 9th with 832 yards on the year. Each have three receiving touchdowns in 2018. Both have more than 50 grabs. I mentioned Cooper Cup. His season is over. He had 566 yards, led the team with touchdown grabs with six. Uh, But no big uh, presence from their tight end, Tyler Higby, who's got 11 catches for just 135 yards, but has a pair of touchdowns on the year. So when you take Cup away... You don't have a a lot of scoring threats through the air, and you kind of wonder if this would be where they go a little more heavy with Todd Gurley, or maybe they throw to him even more, or maybe they use Higby a little bit more in the end zone. We'll see how that goes. Offensive line for the Rams uh, doesn't not get talked about a whole lot. Very underrated offensive line. Left tackle uh, Andre Whitworth ranked third by Pro Football Focus. And right tackle Rob Havenstein, he is sixth by Pro Football Focus. Whitworth has allowed four sacks this year. As for Havensworth, he has yet to allow a sack on the season. And not only that, he's yet to commit a penalty as well. By the way, I called him Andre Whitworth. I meant Andrew Whitworth, so I do apologize for that. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, uh, four sacks allowed. But Havenstein, yet to allow a sack, nor uh, has he committed a penalty this season. Uh, by the way, they also have the second best ranked guard from Pro Football Focus in Austin Bliff, the right guard, right next to Havenstein. Now, there's a lot being made about who the Rams have beat and that they haven't beat a quality opponent this season. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I, first of all, I think that's a bit of an insult to the Chiefs because, uh, well, well, first off, the Rams have beaten a couple of good teams. Uh, you can't play a good team every single week. I mean, you just don't have that. Uh, but also, the, uh, the the Chiefs and Rams do have a common opponent who they defeated. So I feel like Chiefs fans, by saying this, you're kind of insulting your own team. Saying that the Rams have not beat anybody. The Vikings have a 5-3-1 record. I know the Packers and the Seahawks, who played on Thursday Night Football, you guys will know the score by the time it's out. Uh... They haven't done too well, but you can never underestimate either of those two teams. Both, as a matter of fact, came very close to pulling off an upset against the Rams. The Rams beat the Packers by two, and the Seahawks rallied down uh, by a lot and almost came back to win. Uh, Again, the Seahawks are not great, but no game should ever be taken lightly in the NFL, especially divisional games. And the Rams have beaten the Seahawks twice this year. And also the, the Rams beat the Chargers earlier in the year. And the Chargers are 7-2 and two this year. So to say that the Rams have not beaten anybody, uh, I beg to differ. I definitely beg to differ. I know the Packers, again, have not been good this year. But can you ever take Aaron Rodgers lightly? I just don't know if you can ever do that. You never can. Absolutely never. Switching over to the other side of the football, looking at the Rams' defense, 12th in points allowed, surrendering 23.1 points per game, 13th in total defense, a little more than 355 yards a game, 11th against a pass, a little more than 233 yards a game, and 24th in stopping the run, giving up 122 yards a game. And listen, I I said this before, uh, Todd Gurley, I think he's going to have a very busy day. So will Kareem Hunt. This is going to be a very heavily loaded uh, game for the running backs. They're both going to be very active, very busy on the ground and through the air. 
And I think you're going to see a pair of 100-yard rushers. Uh, at the very least, you'll see two running backs who are going to get into the end zone multiple times uh, and at least get 100 yards from scrimmage in the game. But I think they both get 100 yards from uh, from the ground, but also even more through the air. I think that's the kind of game you're going to get uh, from Gurley and from Hunt. Although with the Chiefs, they do have a lot of options out there. And uh, with this Rams defense, even though they've got some good cornerbacks and Aqib Tlaib not playing because of an ankle uh, surgery, he's recovering from uh, former Kansas Jayhawk. Marcus Peters, a lot of people familiar with him, not doing too well this year. Nor are the uh, cornerbacks uh, for the uh, for the Rams this season. And you look at the secondary for the Rams, average secondary with Lamarcus Joyner, uh, John Johnson. Okay, a little bit above average. He leads the team with three picks on the year, but that front seven for the Rams is a pretty deadly one. Left end Aaron Donald leads the league with 12 and a half sacks. I'm realizing, by the way, there are a lot of league leaders on both sides of the football. Uh, I mean, you you got Mahomes with the passing touchdowns and the passing yards. Uh, You've got Aaron Donald leading the league in sacks. Even though the Rams have a lot of league leaders, the Chiefs are right behind them in a lot of these areas. So, uh, I mean, you've got a lot of playmakers in this football game, which is going to make it very interesting. But uh, I digress. Steve Ford, as a comparison, he is tied third with nine sacks on the year. Donald has one forced fumble and a pair of fumble recoveries. And you can never forget about Dominican Sue, the dominant nose tackle for the Rams in this 3-4 defense. Three and a half sacks and one forced fumble. Uh, you know, with, with that interior guard, interior offensive line dealing with some backups right there, you got to be ready for Dominican Sue. And I think it would be worth... Considering in those passing plays, you 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 maybe don't have five pass catchers every single play, and you consider putting Anthony Sherman out there a little bit more to help protect Mahomes from Ndamukong Sue and from Aaron Donald. It's going to be a very ferocious defensive line that this Chiefs offensive line is going to be dealing with. Looking at the outside linebackers for the... For the Rams, Dante Fowler Jr. and Samson Ubicom. Ubicom leads the team with three forced fumbles. Fowler has one. They combine for three sacks on the year. Corey Littleton, he is the anchor for this Rams defense with 83 tackles leading the team. He is third in the league in that category. He also has three sacks and one interception to go with his season. If I'm looking at this Rams defense, man... Uh, cornerbacks, not very good. You know, Marcus Peters is going to be out there and I think he's going to have a very tough time. Uh, he better have great safety help from Joyner and, and Johnson. Otherwise, uh, even when you do have the best safety help, it's still not enough to, to slow down. Ty- We've yet to see Tyree kill really just be completely shut down. Yes. There have been games where Tyree kill hasn't had a catch for uh, a whole half. Or maybe he was targeted once and it's incomplete. That's not because he's been, he's been shut down. It's because the Chiefs have all sorts of options across the field with Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, and obviously this year with Sammy Watkins, and he's coming back to the fold. Uh, at least that's expected for Monday night. So this is a team that just has weapons all over, and we have yet to see Tyree Kill get shut down in a game this year by a cornerback. We just haven't seen that yet. People want to say that uh, Jalen Ramsey, who called Hill a return specialist, People want to say Jalen Ramsey got the best of him and Hill had one good catch against him. Okay, uh, that's uh, well, a big reason for that is Mahomes had other players to throw to or hand it off to his running back. Don't forget about that. So 
this secondary for the Rams, I'd be very concerned if I was a Rams fan. Because no one's been able to stop this Chiefs defense, or excuse me, this Chiefs offense. And this Chiefs offense, really their their only enemy is themselves at this point. Got to make sure you don't get injured. Got to make sure you stay uh, together as one cohesive unit, play well as a team. And if you do that, who is going to stop you? I know a lot was made about this Rams defense, and I, regardless of who they've played, I still think they are a top-notch defense. Uh, because, listen, people want to say the Rams haven't played anyone good. Well, guess what? If the Chiefs have a field day on this Rams defense, you're going to brag about it, about how the, how the Chiefs had a great game against this Rams defense. Because they do have high standards right now. So that's your Rams defense. Like I said, I think Kareem Hunt's going to be very active in this game. You'll still see Mahomes aired out there to Travis Kelsey in the middle. Uh, a lot of teams have trouble stopping good tight ends like Kelsey, like Gronk. And you're going to see Kelsey uh, be active in this game. I don't know statistically if Sammy Watkins is going to get a lot in this game. But you know he's going to draw a lot of attention. And that alone is going to be a, a good game for Sammy Watkins doing his his job for the Chiefs. It's always hard to get all of your Pro Bowlers heavily active and doing well in one game it's just not a realistic thing although we have seen Kelsey Hill and Watkins all have good games on on the same day so it is possible with this Chiefs team when you when you least expect it the Chiefs have been able to prove otherwise special teams for the Rams Greg Zerloin 14 of 16 missed five games due to a groin injury he suffered in week one missed a kick on Monday Night Football in week one against the Raiders and missed two weeks ago in that loss to the Saints, punter Johnny Hecker averages nearly 43 yards per punt. Below average uh, w- w- with that uh, w- w- with that right there. Uh, his net average, 40.2. That's about the median in the NFL. Only one touchback this year. He's only allowed 46 punt return yards in the 25 times he has punted for the Rams. Kick returner for the Rams, Blake Countess, 22nd in average return yards. Uh, punt returner Jojo Natson, fifth in punt return average yards. Dat is first with his sole 48-yard return in Week 2 on that trick punt return play against the Steelers. Uh, Natson, by the way, has a third most punt return yards with 230, so that is an area where the Chiefs need to be careful with. But looking at the kick returner, you know with Farrell Cooper coming back, that is somebody who the Rams are going to be excited to have back as their kick returner. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, All-pro kick returner coming back for the Rams. All right, how does this go? I think it's going to be another shootout. There are lots of playmakers, as I said earlier, lots of playmakers, a plethora of playmakers all over the field for both teams. Lots of league leaders for for both teams. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, Robert Woods. I mean, so many league leaders on this offensive side. And then on the defensive side, sure, maybe the Chiefs defense not as great, but you still have D Ford and Chris Jones as some of the best in their positions. You got Aaron Donald, the Dominican Sioux, uh, both very good. Uh, you had Corey Littleton, one of the league leaders in tackles. Anthony Hitchens up there as well. A lot of big name players on both sides of the football for the Chiefs and Rams. Again, I did say Gurley and Hunt. They're going to be busy in this game. They've probably been the two busiest running backs this season for their respective teams, which is crazy to say because their quarterbacks are the top two in passing yards. But that's how these offenses operate. A good offense will find a way to get everyone active. And like I said, Gurley and and, and Hunt, 
Both been great in the passing game. Neither defense can stop a running back. So that's going to bode well for those two guys. And kind of makes you wonder if, if both uh, head coaches are, are trying to build a game plan to uh, bolster their, their rushing attacks going into Monday Night Football. Neither team has been able to step up against top-notch offenses this year. Now you look at the Chiefs uh, and how they did against Arizona. They allowed 260 yards. 183 of those yards, 70% of Arizona's offense came from their running back, David Johnson Jr. The Chiefs need to be ready for Todd Gurley this week. I mentioned that in the recap episode. This Chiefs defense has gotten a chance to improve as the schedule got a little bit easy after the Patriots' loss. How will this Chiefs team do against the Rams? Kansas City is coming off a game where it pressured Josh Rosen all game long. And you got to think Bob Sutton, defensive coordinator, tries to repeat that in hopes that Kansas City's front seven can be the front seven that we had uh, known about and loved so much early on during Reed and Sutton's tenure here in Kansas City to start off. I mentioned the tweet from Next Gen Stats. The Chiefs defense generated pressure on Josh Rosen 54.5% of the time on dropbacks, the highest pressure rate by a team in any game this year. D. Ford and Justin Houston combined for 15 pressures against the Cardinals, averaging less than 3.4 yards from the QB on pass rush snaps. Now, keep in mind, this Chiefs defense is going to be facing probably the best offensive line they've gone up against all year long, but who's to say that they cannot challenge that Rams offensive line? Maybe you get Haven, uh, Havenstein to give up his first sack of the season. Or maybe have him drop a, a couple of penalties, get tagged there. This Chiefs defense, this Chiefs front seven needs to bring it. None of this silly Justin Houston back in coverage deal. Go after Jared Goff in this game. You've got the capability with this team. And Alan Bailey having a quietly good season. Chris Jones, probably one of the better defensive ends this year. And of course, Steve Ford. One of the best pass rushers this year. So in Justin Houston, sure he's missed some games, but you still like to think he's the Justin Houston of old. Uh, maybe just we don't see it on a consistent basis. Hopefully we can see that 22-sack Justin Houston in this game against the Rams. And I'll say this. Kansas City's defense, despite allowing a lot of yards on the year, they do make plays when it matters the most to help the team. For example, the forced fumble on Tom Brady to help the Chiefs rally Late in the game against the Patriots. The three and out that they forced late against Denver. And another rally. That was on Monday Night Football. Steven Nelson. He's been sealing the deal. The last two games with interceptions against the Browns and the Cardinals. The Chiefs defense will do that again. When it matters the most. Late in the game. They'll come through. They'll have a really bad game early on. And they'll allow a lot of yards. But sometime in the second half. They do come away with a big play, and that's kind of impressive considering you allow a lot of yards and you're probably tired as hell, but you still do come up and make some big plays in the second half as grueling as it can be. Kansas City will win this football game, folks. 41-38, to that's my score. It's going to be a back-and-forth boxing match, trading punches all game long. Both teams will turn the ball over at least once, but it's going to come down to which defense can make a play when it matters the most. Both defenses are capable capable of that. And I think they're both going to make plays in this game. But who's going to make it in a crucial moment? And I'll add this too. If a special teams play can be made, whoever makes it probably is going to get the edge in this football game. 
I think under Andy Reid and this Chiefs team, this defense has been clutch at times, and I think they'll come through when it matters the most late in the game on Monday Night Football. So be on the lookout for that. I've got the Chiefs winning this, 41-38. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzinevasugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at Farzinevasugian.com. Join me for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game on Monday Night Football. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Man, I don't know what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a team coming off, obviously, a Super Bowl win. And they were tabbed to have the best step at quarterback with a Super Bowl MVP in Nick Foles and another quarterback in Carson Wentz who came close to winning the regular season MVP title. Neither have played really to that standard this year whenever they have played. Nick Foles did play early on uh, until Carson Wentz was 100% and able to come back, but still has not been able to help the Eagles one bit. And... This really just ensures one thing. There will be a new Super Bowl champion this year. I think the Redskins, they're going to take care of business in the NFC East. So the Eagles, I mean, it's just an uphill battle from this point forward. They're going to need basically everyone in the division to collapse and for them to win out at this point. And I don't see that happening with this Eagles team. Another team that's been declining lately, the Falcons... They have declined drastically since blowing that 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Similar to when Seattle threw a pick at the one-yard line in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. And since that moment, the Seahawks have kind of gone down quite a lot. You look at the Falcons, they just have not been the same team since that 2016 season. The high-scoring offense, being able to throw touchdown passes to everybody on the field. We haven't seen that so much from the Falcons since then. And I think that big lead that they blew I think that diminished their confidence I really do look at the owner Arthur Blank he uh, left his press box and went onto the field during the Super Bowl in the second half because he thought the game was over Uh, that kind of overconfidence and just what can that do I mean obviously it's taken a huge blow to their mental state on the field and Kind of makes you wonder, uh, I mean, are we ever going to see the Falcons in that state ever again? And all signs kind of right now point to no. One team that is quietly doing very well, though, the Chicago Bears. 6-3 right now atop the NFC North. They've won three in a row since falling literally at the one-yard line short against the Patriots. And they've been playing very well defensively lately. Really good defensive football. Mitchell Trubisky was compared to Patrick Mahomes a lot. I know that's a comparison we loved quite a bit. uh, Because Mahomes was already way ahead of Trubisky and his progress. But Trubisky has picked it up this year for the Chicago Bears. He's playing like a top five draft pick uh, for a quarterback that was taken early last year. So we're starting to see that more from the Bears. And it kind of creates this very exciting matchup as to who's going to have the better career, uh, not just with statistics, but also with overall success between Trubisky, Mahomes, and Watson. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And now that you have the Chicago Bears uh, right now leading the NFC North, uh, maybe a potential Super Bowl matchup. You never know. Uh, too early to say those kinds of things. Sure, you can always predict them if you want. That way you can say you called it early on. Uh, but uh, if the Chicago Bears keep playing at this rate, and if the Chiefs keep going at this rate, especially if they win Monday night, uh, I, I, I'd say there's a good chance 
the, the odds makers would uh, put up a good percentage point up there that the Bears and Chiefs could meet up in a Super Bowl. Who knows? Keep an eye on the Chicago Bears, folks, because I think they can do some damage in the NFC come playoff time. Let's go out of bounds. All right, all right. If you follow the NBA closely, you probably have heard about the Golden State Warriors and the injury that Curry's dealing with, the the suspension on Draymond Green. Uh, Look, everyone just relax. I saw on ESPN's front page on their website, uh, they wrote, the drama-filled Warriors taking on the Houston Rock. Everyone just take a chill pill. Cooler heads will prevail. They will prevail in these situations. The Warriors know that they are a dynasty team. They'll refocus. They'll talk things out behind closed doors. They'll figure it out. They'll squash it. And they'll move on. They know they have something way too good to let get thrown away. All because of silly drama. So everyone relax. I know people do this for the Patriots. Whenever they get a chance coming off a loss. Or if there's any... uh, Remember last year they were talking about uh, Kraft... Belichick and Brady not getting along. I mean, look look where that's gotten them. They still went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, they lost to a backup QB. Okay, fine. Enjoy the fun jokes there. But that's still one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Okay, maybe not record-wise, but you get the idea. So everyone just relax with the Golden State Warriors. They're still one of the best teams. Uh, actually, the best team record-wise in the NBA right now. Uh, gonna talk a little football, American, not American football actually, international football, soccer, uh, football as most people like to call it. Uh, U.S. soccer lost a friendly match to England, three nothing. Look, I, I'm not gonna pretend like I know about international soccer and the World Cup and all uh, these quote unquote friendly matches. Um, I don't know, I don't know uh, how much weight they, they hold. But let's be honest, man. Coming off a World Cup where the U.S. did not qualify this past summer, uh, these friendly matches don't look good on the U.S. The moment that the World Cup ended, the United States needs to make a statement. And every chance they get all the way through qualifying matches in order to be able to compete in the next World Cup. And look, I don't know what the U.S.'s chances are of even winning a World Cup, but you at the very least expect to be in it if you're the United States. For them to not be in it and to lose like this to England, uh, I know they've got another one on Tuesday, but they need to step it up and, and be able to show that they are more than capable of playing in the next World Cup. Hopefully they can do that soon because I'm not a big soccer fan, but I know we are in Kansas City. A lot of listeners are from Kansas City, and Kansas City is one of the popular soccer towns in the U.S. A lot of people crazy on sporting KC. So, I expect, hopefully, uh, you know, people, I expect people to keep following this U.S. soccer story, but hopefully they can bounce back. I don't know what the odds of that are, but man, uh, it would be really embarrassing and pretty disappointing if they missed a second consecutive World Cup. I did want to touch on this story. It's the story about CNN and Donald Trump and Jim Acosta, the reporter for CNN, who was banned uh, because uh, he wanted to keep asking a question and the intern was trying to grab the mic and and hands got in the way. Uh, He's being uh, accused of of, uh, 
of assaulting her. I mean, look, when arms get crossed like that, I mean, he did say excuse me, but again, I'm not going to get too much into that. And to say what you want about Trump and not being able to take criticism from the media or or not, not accepting difficult questions from the media, uh, this has turned into a very interesting topic because... Now CNN, uh, Acosta, he lost his credentials, and CNN is uh, suing Donald Trump at the White House for this. There is a very interesting sports comparison here. For those who don't know, Ariel Helwani, he was with MMA Fighting of SB Nation at the time. He is now with ESPN. Ariel Helwani is the Adam Schefter of the MMA world. He's the Adrian Wojnarowski of MMA. He gets all the MMA scoops. He got the scoop in the summer of 2016 that during a pay-per-view, as it was happening, uh, he got the scoop that Brock Lesnar was returning to the UFC for one fight, and he also got the scoop that Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz were having a rematch. The UFC had planned a special video package to announce both of those matches. Ariel Helwani reported them before those video packages could be shown. Ariel Helwani does not know that the UFC has video packages ready for special announcements. He doesn't know this. Uh, But the UFC was angry about that. And they called him into the owner's office and they said, Hey, hand over your credential. You're gone. You're never covering the UFC again. He made this public and... Everybody criticized the UFC for this. Why are you banning a guy who accurately reported two big MMA stories? Why is that happening? Um, now, again, I, I know if we go into the details with Donald Trump and the questions he's taken, I know we, we get to the political side of things. Let me just say this. I understand being the president of the U.S., that's not an easy thing. But that comes with a territory. Uh, when you are at that position and when people have reasonable questions they're asking you, you can't take that uh, as offense and get angry about it. Donald Trump did threaten to remove more credentials from reporters if they're quote-unquote disrespectful. And, and I, look, I don't know, regardless where you stand with, with Trump, I don't know what that means, disrespectful. Does that mean uh, asking tough questions that he may not appreciate? Because I don't, I don't know where this whole notion comes from where people are saying you need to just respect and support the president. And people weren't doing that for other presidents. Why is that now the case all of a sudden? Um, I think there are valid reasons to criticize him. And again, without getting into details, um, the whole Jim Acosta thing was weird because he still had the microphone. He, had, he was asking a, a reasonable question and they were having the intern take the microphone away from him because the questions were starting to get difficult and he was being pressed by the press. I mean, imagine that, being pressed by the press. Um, listen, uh, past presidents have been asked difficult questions. And I know Trump was doing a presser because he was angry about the, the result of the elections. And again, I don't want to get too much into the details of that. But uh, if past presidents did that, I know they'd be criticized the same way uh, Acosta's being criticized. We just got to be honest with ourselves. It's healthy for the sake of discussion. Um, I, I, and you kind of wonder, I mean... I don't know how this lawsuit's going to go, but even Fox News is on CNN's side. That tells you something right there. Uh, Look, whether you are into politics or not, this is a big story because of the First Amendment, also the Fourth Amendment, as well as media rights here. I'm always interested in these kinds of stories and how they pan out, but I will say this, similar to the UFC situation, the media always wins this battle. You cannot ban someone because... 
you wanted to take a microphone away from them and, and they were asking a very difficult question. You, you just can't do that. Um, so I don't know how that's going to pan out. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and I'm sure there are more legal ec- legal experts. Uh, a lot of them who, by the way, are siding with CNN on this for what that is worth to you. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. It is official. Le'Veon Bell not playing in 2018. And look, good on him. Probably means that he is set financially and he's been smart with his money. But not so fast. Uh, A tweet surfaced. A very old tweet uh, from Bell's account. I think it was 2012 or 2013. He tweeted saying, if a player goes an entire year without playing, he does not love the sport. Well... Time to put your money where your mouth is, uh, at least the money that you do have, because you're not making any this year. Uh, Listen, um, this is just proof that you've got to be very careful. Even if your opinion changes on something, which is entirely possible, uh, people will still call you out on uh, on your uh, past. They just do. Uh, Look at the basketball player for Villanova. He tweeted racial slurs. He had a phenomenal game in the championship match. But he uh, tweeted racial slurs a long, long time ago, and that really just kind of hurt his his credential. I mean, his personal deal. Uh, listen, even though it may not be fair, NBA scouts are going to look at that and say, "Hey, have you changed from that?" They may believe you, they may not. Uh, you got to be very careful. Uh, this is what I've said before. I like stories that, uh, like the one we just talked about with Acosta media stories, but I also like social media stories like this because I think it just shows you. Even though it was in your past and maybe your opinions changed, you got to be very, very careful with what you put out there on social media because even a small thing like that could come back to bite you. Maybe you were just an immature kid and you said something kind of silly that you probably did, would regret years later. This is why as parents, it, we have the responsibility to, make, to tell our kids, make sure you're very careful with what you are putting on social media because if... The adult version of you at 25, 30, 40 years old looks back, maybe would feel ashamed by that and maybe wouldn't even be proud of that. Gotta be very careful with what you put out there on social media, even if it's a few years old. And and by the way, speaking of tweets, I don't know what's going on with Le'Veon Bell, but he tweeted uh, upside down and that caused a lot of other people want to tweet upside down. Uh, So... You had that trend going. Le'Veon Bell seems to be enjoying his offseason, man. He really is. Good for him. This one's, uh, this is just disgraceful. Fitchburg State, a, uh, a, a college about an hour and a half northwest of Boston in Massachusetts. Uh, they have suspended their basketball player, Kawan Platt, after he elbowed Nicholas Tate Ten- Tengila. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. With a right elbow late uh, during a loss, Tengila, uh, he shot the ball. Platt, the player who got suspended, he turned around to make sure the ref was not paying attention to him and that he and everyone else, they were looking at the basketball. And because no one's watching, he goes and just viciously elbows Tenglia. Fitchburg State has suspended him and uh, they have actually banned him from the campus. Good for them. Because normally you see a lot of schools stand behind their players in this kind of thing. We saw something similar in the spring where a Kansas high school basketball player just shoved a player going for a layup and could have injured him very badly. There's no room for that in sports. There just isn't. Now, 
Plaid put out an a, apology on his Instagram account saying, quote, I got frustrated and lost control. That is complete BS. You cannot just elbow someone in. Listen, man, I played on some bad sports teams as a kid, and I was angry about that. I never went up to a player on the opposing team and, and got physical with any of them, let alone elbowing one of them. You cannot do that. You learn that as a kid. It's called sportsmanship. Now, I get sportsmanship fades away with trash talking and certain other things at the college and pro levels, but you at the very least need to know you cannot, quote, lose control and just elbow someone in anger because you're getting your ass kicked in a game. That's just completely unacceptable and just embarrassing. This kid should never be allowed to play basketball ever again. This is just all too interesting. Uh, We talked about this before. The WWE and uh, what's been going on with the journalist that was killed uh, uh, by uh, people in Saudi Arabia. I mean, just the the situation there. And the WWE has their contract where they do have to do shows in Saudi Arabia. And they said that they're going to follow through with it. They had a show in Saudi Arabia recently. They never mentioned Saudi Arabia, but they called the event the crown jewel multiple times. Here's how they opened up the show. They brought back Hulk Hogan, who the WWE tried to distance itself from because he dropped a racial slur in anger due to his daughter dating a black guy. What kind of genius public relations deflecting move did the WWE have? I mean, whose idea was, hey, let's bring back a guy who dropped a very offensive racial slur uh, to open up the show. By the way, we're doing the show in Saudi Arabia where there's a lot of controversy regarding a journalist that they killed. Uh, Where where was the thought process in this? I mean, I get you're trying to bring back ratings because it's Hulk Hogan, brother. I I, I get it, but I just don't know if this was the right place. To bring back Hulk Hogan of all times. I just don't know, brother, if this was the right time and place for the WWE to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, hey, uh, the WWE, they, they, they're a multi-billion dollar business. McMahon doesn't give a damn, so more power to them, right? I mean, that's the way our society works. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Crazy week. I, I mean, I don't even know what, uh, how would you define this week in one word? I, I don't even know what if there was one word to even use. Uh, that, that would not do justice on this week. The, the, everything just completely going out of order. Crazy week uh, from the craziness with Mexico City to catch up to Fortnite, Mahomes mania, all of that, plus this big game between the Chiefs and the Rams. Enjoy it on Monday Night Football Subscribe, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share it as well on social media. Plus, I'm on social media, facebook.com slash Vesugian. That's my Facebook page. Like it, follow me. We'll do the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game, Monday night. Join me for that, please. And follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21, plus my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We will be back on Tuesday morning. That'll be fun, recording the podcast late Monday night. We'll be back Tuesday morning to do a recap of the game, hopefully recapping a Chiefs win, and they will be standing with the best record in the NFL. A lot to get into. 
Talk to you on Monday.